Cheyenne, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Cheers. I'm so excited. Hello. Girl, I don't know. Up in basements together, and that's where I had my first kiss after carrying a cross for two miles downtown because they wanted us to feel how Jesus felt when he had to carry his own cross. And then everybody got horny, and I had my first kiss. So unpack that as you will. One of the most hurtful things that I think my husband ever said to me was, "Well, you're really sensitive," and I was like. <laughs> the fuck <laughs> yeah i'm a tough cookie but on the inside i was like i don't feel tough oh, period. yeah not even the cookie i'm the ingredients in the bowl still literally i'm like, not even cooked the yet. sugar yeah. and the chocolate <laughs> look i only have so much energy in this day and how much am i gonna put into talking to this person of if course dumb as fuck very little <laughs> and fuck it we ball yes fuck yeah it, we get married at the courthouse fuck like, it we rage yes. like, well i keep learning that the phrase of treat others as you would have them treat you mm-hmm. or how you'd like to be treated does not work it really doesn't. Because no one wants to be treated like you want to be treated. No. Most people don't. <laughs> yeah, same. They're like, I'm just vibing. And on the one hand, I'm envious. I'm like, well, fuck, I've never just but vibed But almost they're never. You know <laughs> what I mean? You're not vibing when you think you're no, vibing. No, no. Because like, they may not know their boundaries, but yeah. they certainly need That's them. That's not a vibe. Yeah, no. Not knowing your boundaries is not a it's vibe. It's not. Like, I crushed a ladybug when I was like five, and it was like a traumatic experience. I used to pull the legs off grasshoppers. We're not the same. <laughs> that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome Hello. back to Curio City. I'm Lauren. I'm Adam. And we're happy that you're here today, where you stay curious, and we're all about people's stories, and we love yeah. people's functions, and it's not about the opinions they hold, but the stories and how they got there. I love that entire sentiment, and I feel like that was so evident through this whole episode, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. I just like, it's this space, and the people that listen to this podcast have embraced so fully the idea of holding nuance, and that's... Yes beautiful and it's the freaking best um, it really is and yeah so how, how are you feeling let's do a little catch up it's i think it's funny that we're we're actually recording this intro on a friday <laughs> night where we recorded friday night rager on a monday to avoid yeah. recording on a friday night well, to give ourselves a break and here we are we don't get breaks <laughs> we, don't we get just breaks. got our foot on the gas the right hustle now. is real yeah with but us. i feel good this week i feel really inspired like i feel like i've been consuming the right content to keep me on like the path of inspiration. Good. It's just like, sometimes I tend to, so because I do a lot of technical work, I tend to listen to a lot of things that are like fantasy or like some sort of fiction where it kind of like lets my, lets me escape my reality right. of like technical thought and whatever. Yeah. But this week I just, I've felt so motivated to drive our podcast and the things that I like to do forward. Like I just want to build something and that has just really led me to listening to really inspirational podcasts yeah. that are directly in line with what I that's want great. to be doing. I, yeah. That's that's all I do. Um, so yeah. I only, that's why like, uh, I guess I listen to like self-help stuff, but it's whatever mm-hmm. I'm needing help in. So sometimes I'm just like, I'm spying on people in careers that I want to, that I sure. aspire to be in or like yeah. I you know soak up multiple interviews from this like person who like thinks a certain way it's like i think that's going to always like help move me forward i'm not mm-hmm. somebody who does like a lot of fantasy stuff because yeah I... but you also try on a lot of different things just in your mind so i feel like you're almost mm-hmm, writing true. you're almost writing fiction stories about your own life by consuming content yeah and imagining yourself in different lives than what you live that's true I, I do that. And this week has been really fun because I'm continuing to build out the like the branding and everything. So it's been fun to like build. Yeah, it's been so behind, cool to see you in that creative side of things. Yeah. Behind the scenes of um, 
the the brand and the branding mm-hmm. for curiosity and beyond so that's been really fun so yeah this week has been crazy we've been super busy but we've been living that hustle life and mm-hmm. i'm i'm about it so. yeah it's really cool i just i i love that we just keep growing closer together and also further apart like there's mm. we really have separated so much of what we do in our daily lives now yeah but i feel like our actual passion and our energy just keep growing in the same direction i feel like we are back to our business partner era a little yeah. bit um, yeah. which is fun um i mean that's how we started that's yeah. like literally i was just a drummer for hire so yeah it's fun to revisit that season occasionally yeah so it's been good so okay great well this episode, you guys are going to be hearing from Cheyenne Conradi. She is amazing. She's Absolutely a good friend. Yeah. Um, she is a fellow oldest daughter. So we did talk a lot about that. Um, and yeah, so she's passionate about painting, reading and critical thinking. Things that you'll hear in this episode um, are as follows. Um, deep rooted feminism inspired by Bell Hooks. That's mm-hmm. like her take on things. Um, we do talk about, you know, the critique of oversimplifying narratives and complexities of cancel culture. Um, like I said, we do mention the oldest daughter experience and, you know, we really bring that oldest daughter energy mm-hmm. um, and how her unique role shaped her worldview. We also talk about her family history um, and her mother's adoption and her curiosity about her indigenous heritage. So that's really cool. Obviously something we relate on. Yeah. Um, but we have very different experiences within that. So I'm excited for you guys to hear that. I feel like this episode was just so relatable, just on the tangent yeah. of like relatability to mm-hmm. all of that. It just was absolutely so easy to jump in and put yourself in the situations that you guys were talking about. Like it's just, yeah. you kind of just grab so many pieces of normal life well, and both of really us are, put some stories to it yeah i mean i think we were both a bit of storytellers in ways uh-huh. and we kind of yeah it was a nice compliment of conversation i feel mm-hmm. like the way we hold um like i don't know the way we both hold conversation um and we also talk about her growing up without religion but she was in a religious mm-hmm. community and you know so she shared her insights of her challenges and the lessons she got from that And then lastly, we talked about her recent spiritual awakening um, and just that transformative journey um, that it's been for her life. So anyway, that's kind of the summary of my conversation with Cheyenne. Um, Adam, any other words to add to that? I'm just excited for you guys to listen to this because it's so upbeat. It's so funny. Like there's so many moments that I just caught myself laughing out loud at at you guys talking because, because I feel like you guys have such a... I mean, as you talk about in the episode that you guys have some similar stuff in your charts and similar personality traits yeah, and also similar sibling situations that it's just, there's so many micro stories that nobody else would understand that you guys understood from each other. Yes. And it creates the funniest moments of like just the most niche relatability between the two of you. Yes. But but I feel like the way you guys tell the stories, it's just, it's relatable to everybody. So that's really fun. I love how funny it is. And it's just... I feel like it's just honest. Like as, as you've been interviewing more people, as we've kind of been expanding the branding of the channel and really trying to bring it into like just really raw honesty. Yes. We can end up in conversations like mine uh, where it's like, there's just, it's, it's a little bit deeper and it's a little bit heavier. Um, But then you get to have conversations like this that carry just as much like thought and carry just as much weight yeah. as the conversations that that I want to be having but it's also just hilarious and fast-paced and just you guys catch each other in such in such interesting ways that I think is really surprising and I, I think the guests will or the guests our 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 curiosity family will <laughs> really enjoy well on that note 
Let's dive right in. Let's jump in. Welcome, Cheyenne Conradi. podcast. Today we have Cheyenne Conradi. She is a digital marketing manager by day and a painter, avid reader, constant curiosity cat by night. She is passionate about feminism, bell hook style feminism, art, all art, even the canceled art and canceled artists, Ooh, critical thinking, hence not canceling culture and challenging herself and others. She's also an oldest daughter in every way. Cheyenne, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Cheers. I'm so excited. I oldest daughtered myself right in here by you did. bartending for us, cleaning up the kitchen, and asking for all the rules. You so. did. They, yeah, <laughs> you did ask for the rules. There is no rules here. Be yourself. Okay. And also, I am, as you know, an oldest daughter. Yep. So we're like just checking in on each other, <laughs> making sure we're all good. Neither of us actually accomplishing anything. Just being like, are you good? I'm good if mm-hmm. you're good. Exactly. <laughs> we will get into that today for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. We made, I say we, I, I did not touch anything, but Cheyenne made us Aperol spritz. I did. And this is like full of ice. Yeah, so I'm like going to be crunching. <laughs> Actually, do you want to, do you want a straw? I fuck with a straw. Okay. I'm going to get you a straw. I'm a lip liner girl, so I fuck with a straw. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank Welcome you to me. Curio City. You're another curious cutie. Very we have much. a lot in common. Yeah. So not just that we're older, oldest daughters, but you're an Enneagram 5. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you also an INTJ? Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? What else do we have? I am Pisces Sun Virgo rising. I think you're I'm, the opposite. Yes. Yes. That's mm-hmm. right. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. That's kind of crazy. I'm a, what am I? Am I a generator? Oh, you're a generator. Okay. I'm a projector. So that's our difference. Yeah. I'm a generator. And the first time I read the human design, I read the generator and they were like, you, you would be full of energy. You inspire others. I was like, that is not me. But then whenever I read some of the ways that energy can show up for generators, mm-hmm. it changed how I felt. But at first I was like, that is not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because projector, like the human design description of like who I am, I love because everything else that I take like a test of I'm you know as a Virgo that's very like detail oriented or like just about your well-being it's a little bit more like harsher it's brainy you know earthy whatever but then we have INTJ again thinker Mm -hmm. judgment like all these different things and then with project or, or even Enneagram okay then five again that's like very in your head it's like introvert like all these different things and then with projector it's like it talks a lot about being like soft and how much time and space you need between you and people, but also Mm -hmm. you and like your work and like how much space you need in your day because you can get like as a projector, we get a lot done in like three hours Mm -hmm. versus like some other people who kind of have that grind going all day. For me, it's like I expect myself as a Virgo and as all the other quizzes that I've taken of myself, I expect myself to be this like, super grind person who has all this energy to get all this work done. And I have that energy, but it's in bursts. Mm. And so the projector the human design like has shown me that that's how I work best. So it's allowed me to like embrace my soft side, like a lot. Totally. Better. It like speaks to that versus everything else. It's just like that. I feel like it just talks a lot about my grind. That makes sense. I felt really seen whenever I, 
learned more in depth about the Enneagram and found out that I was a five wing four because I am such a brainy person, very stuck in my head. I'm sure anyone would say that, but I do have a real depth of feeling and what I feel is a vast capacity for empathy. Mm -hmm. And every time you read INTJ and you read vibes Mm -hmm. and whatever and Virgo rising, it's like, uh, everything has to be in one place. Everything, yeah. you're very judgmental, all these things. And I mean, I do have diagnosed OCD, so they're not wrong. But I was like, <laughs> I feel things too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I also have like perfection anxiety when yes. I was a kid. So like, I understand like where these things come mm-hmm. from. But I'm like, I have other but sides other to make. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so reading the five wing four, I was like, yeah, like I'm super artsy and I love making my space beautiful. It's the first thing I noticed when I walk in here was how I felt in here and how it looked. Oh, like, yeah. That is very much a core part of me. So I enjoyed finding the complexity and depth to that and I think that's true in human design or the Enneagram or yes, astrology of course. or whatever we're so you much know, more complex yeah people are so quick to dismiss those things because they think that we can't be categorized that everything is complex but everything is that's why you have to think in depth about it yeah or like think critically before you dismiss it yeah it's interesting as much as I I'm learning that like I or I say that I like a very diverse community and, and, and I do. And in my head and heart, I do. Mm-hmm. But the more I have conversations, especially on the podcast, I'm like, wait a second. All these people are basically <laughs> reflections of myself. <laughs> totally. So I'm like, wait, maybe it's not as diverse as I think. But the people who I admire and potentially see myself in also have the heart posture of wanting a diverse thoughts and diverse people around them so it's like that I feel like I'm attracted to people with the like similar thought processes Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah I would I would challenge you on that for sure because from what I know of the people in your life they may have similar values similar openness to experience or other Mm -hmm. people's opinions but they are vastly different personalities like you have the personalities are very different the the personalities are very different where they come from is very different so like at the end, you may have all wound up in this place where you are somewhat similar in yeah. being open to other people, but that's right. a good quality to have. Right. That, I mean, that's true. And the personalities are quite different, yeah. but it's like the and way how they got there. True. Yeah. True. <laughs> the way I see people, though, is so much of like, is their brain. Like, uh, yeah, I same. see people I totally via that. the way they think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why I like being like open and having different like conversations mm-hmm. with people because I'm like, I don't really care as much what you're standing for totally. or like I more so care like how you got there a hundred percent that's way more interesting to yep. me and I feel like that's reflect reflected back in my community a hundred percent yeah you know how you got th- how we all arrived here to yeah. being open and curious and willing to hold space for others yes and everyone's journey definitely looks different and what I know of your community particularly in your community I hope so I think so yeah, too definitely. but okay okay this is we could I'm so glad like you came in today and I have like <laughs> everything else is like not happening anymore so Mm -hmm. I'm like okay if we need the afternoon like we're here I my husband this morning was asking me like how long are the episodes I was like well um I I was honest I was like I think they're between like 30 minutes and an hour and he was like so you'll probably be there like two to three hours and I was like yeah yeah that is me that is me getting into a conversation with any person yeah like I could go deep about a million things I'm curious about a million things sometimes I worry I'm a bad podcast guest because I have as many questions as I'm the same person on the other end and I want to hear about your experience like relating to each other is the best way to learn the best way I've found to learn and connect so I was like I could yeah I could be there a while for sure yep 
and you might and we have the drinks ready for us so we're ready to go (laughs) okay so i do have notes like i said like i'm gonna have some like questions that i want to make sure i hit we can kind of go all over the place of course i always do but um yeah so first i read off like your bio and Mm -hmm. i read off like all the things that you do and that you are i mean not all the things but a lot so i do want to start off with one question saying like how do you manage your role as a digital marketing manager alongside your interests in art and reading and curiosity. Mm. That is definitely on a spectrum. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I manage it beautifully and my work is free flowing and my creativity is free flowing and I have time for everything. And then there are times that things are out of balance for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in one of those times right now where Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing quite a bit of chaos and chaos yeah Yeah. I've been working really hard for the last few months we moved we I was promoted at my job and congrats thank you which was really exciting yeah but I don't work in what I'm passionate about Mm, and I'm re-unpacking something I thought I had unpacked years ago which is that oldest daughter mentality Mm. of I need to do everything. I need to give my all mm-hmm. at everything I mm-hmm. do. I can do more than other people, so I should. I have the capacity. I yeah. have the resilience. And I will apply that work ethic even in things I don't care about, that I know at the end of my life I'm not going to sit there and say, you know what? I'm so glad I was the best. You know what's bringing me peace? I finished that spreadsheet in two hours, and it would have taken someone else 12. Like, that shit's not going to matter to me. <laughs> Relatable. And so yeah. I know people hate the word recalibration, but I am always in a mode of, like, recalibrating. I like that word. Reprioritizing. Yeah. I need to do that because it is easy for me to take on everything. Mm-hmm. And I truly think I can, and that is wrong. Yeah. And I can't. Yeah. <laughs> and I... I'm always learning how to balance that. So sometimes I'm creating more and I'm working less and sometimes I'm working more and creating less. And mm-hmm, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to tip my scales back this fall and winter. I'm really looking forward to the season change and having Ooh, a yes. hibernation. Yes. I really am. I think it's me in, too. It's in our spirit and our blood to want to do that. Yeah. That is like, I want to be in my house creating and nobody talk to me. <laughs> yes. It's, it's a true, like, paleontological theory that we need to be curled up for a little bit and yes. take a beat and like you posted about trees the other day and mm-hmm. how they root down in the fall and I loved that and I feel that I need that right yeah. now mm-hmm. and part of where that comes in is needing space mm-hmm. I need space from work from obligations from the things that I take on from the people in my life I need space to come back to center and create more and Mm -hmm. that's what I'm hoping to manifest in the next season of my life okay I love that I hope that for you as well thank you because I've been there too and I've learned through like my oldest daughter syndrome too is that I do want to be the best and like do the best I can at every single thing like if I'm working for somebody else which is Usually when I'm working for somebody else, though, just how I am in my personality, like it's not the thing I'm most passionate about. Mm -hmm. Like I am the most passionate about my creative projects and like building this podcast and the brand of the podcast and all of that. Now I know that now as of this year, it's like been very prioritized for me. But over the years, I've just learned that anytime I specifically work for anyone else, I it's like I know that I want to do the best. So I sometimes rebel myself and I like half-ass things. <laughs> and I'm just like, I hate working for other people mm-hmm. so much that Same. like I will just do the ba- very bare minimum because I know if I, I can't do middle. Mm-hmm. 
Like I can't be like a medium mm-hmm. employee. Mm-hmm. I'm either like the best thing you've ever seen in your life and I'm completely depleted and I don't exist at all, mm-hmm. but you're loving me or I just have to just basically not like just barely get by, mm-hmm. which I think does reflect in my like sibling lineup and my family history as well. It's either like I'm top of the line, I'm leading, I'm like, you know, taking care of everyone. I'm like, it's a lot of energy for me to do that. And I'm depleted or I make myself so small. And so like, I don't need anything. I don't make Mm -hmm. any trouble. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I've talked to Adam about this. It's like, I would rather not make a mess than to clean the whole house. Because to me, with my family dynamic, it's I was more afraid of getting in trouble or being wrong or causing more stress on my parents than I was excited about the potential praise of doing something right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I would go like, under the radar and I would just make myself. And I think that's a lot of to do with like Enneagram 5 stuff. That's how mm-hmm. I came to discover that's what I was because like the childhood wound and things like that. Um, and so I would like just make myself so little and so small and so not a trouble. Um, and so anyway, all that being said, as I've become an adult, I've realized that like when I work for other people, it's either I'm the best or I, or you don't want to hire me. Yeah, completely. I really relate to that in the terms of I do things with high intensity or it goes on my, I don't give a shit list. Exactly. I do that with people, like the people that I care about in my life, they are, I will ride or die for Mm -hmm. them. They know that. Mm -hmm. And everyone else who's not in that group also knows it. Not because I've like necessarily been shitty to them, or at least I hope not, but because (laughs) they just know they're not in the club. And it's not me being elitist or anything. It's just that I give so much energy and intention to the things I care about that I have very little left over. It's kind of like that burst, like I was talking about. It's like I either have all of it to give or it's going to be none of it. And I would like to work on that because I want (laughs) to be able to do the middle sometimes, you Mm -hmm. know, but for me, it really really is these are the things I care the most about and I I get really wrapped up in thinking about what I'll think at the end of my life mm-hmm. and what I'll mm-hmm. wish I had prioritized who yes, I wish same. I would have spent more time with and I know I shouldn't worry about that because there's nothing I can do it'll come when it comes yeah but it's hard for me to not stop and step away and get super well, it existential helps you. it yeah. helps you it helps me like, prioritize and choose yeah. yeah where I'm just like you know what fuck this I yeah. won't care about this yes. five years from now yep. so I'm gonna walk away I'm gonna shut my computer and walk away and spend time with someone that I love instead. yes but it does help me make it it kind of validates my choices sometimes and helps me make decisions and then sometimes it's really crippling because it's hard for me to motivate myself to do something I know I don't care about but we live in a capitalist society I've got to work I've got to network I've got to do whatever but it's not innate in me right yeah (laughs) I know same which is kind of crazy again going back to us like wanting to be like so like almost like that OCD Mm -hmm. and the perfectionism it's like anyway we can go on and on about our brains um (laughs) but let's talk about while we're talking about like how you kind of grew up and like your family dynamic Mm. you were the oldest daughter Mm -hmm. um and your your mother Mm -hmm. was adopted do you want to talk about that yeah so I am the oldest child I have two younger brothers we're pretty far spaced out so my middle brother is seven and a half years younger than me oh wow okay and then my youngest brother is seven years younger than him oh so my youngest brother and I are almost 14 years apart wow okay and we each have that like seven year gap and generational difference which they say makes 
it, it like breaks the um the lineup of like the the siblings mm. like it's like after five years you you're like that. an only child but no it's not that <laughs> way for you no we are the classic oldest child mm. middle child youngest child i mean you could love put that. us in a lab and we would prove every theory right like, uh, amazing we, we each carry that personality so heavily okay but my parents had me really young and okay. accidentally Okay. And they were not married at the time. They were having a good time, hot and in their 20s. <laughs> and then I ruined the scene. And so... <laughs> that kind of checks out for you. Yes. So <laughs> You're like, I, and it's me. Hi. I'm a super parentified child. Mm -hmm. And my parents and I have spoken about this. My mom always joked that I was born 30. And she was right. I have been a little mini adult or thought I was a little mini adult yeah. my entire life. Same. And I am now in my 30s trying to figure out how to be childish. Oh, my gosh. Be, you know that speaks to me. Yeah, be comforting to my inner child and make choices to protect her now and to even, like, let her be free. Mm -hmm. uh, something that my partner and I talk about a lot is I. it takes a lot to get me to be silly. Yeah. And uh -huh. he's he, youngest child, super silly. The only boy uh -huh. in his family uh -huh. like, loves to have a silly, silly, good, fun time. Yeah. And I love, obviously, I love that about him. Yeah. And I love having that in my household. And it takes a lot of comfortability and time for me to get there. We had already been married for a year when at some point he was still like, I mean, I know you're not entirely comfortable. Like, yeah. I know that. Yeah. And I was like, I love having you here. I'm so comfortable with you. You're my best friend. And he was like, yeah, but you're not all the way relaxed. Yeah. You know, I've seen you around your family, right? Yeah. Like, I know what you're like when you're like that. And I was like, damn, he's right. And probably other people have thought this and just never said it to me, right. you know, my friends or whatever. But anyway, all of that to say, yeah, super parentified, oldest daughter, only daughter. Um, grew up in small town Oklahoma. So I graduated with, I think, 89 people. Wow. And... When I was living there, there were only 3,000 people in our town. Oh, my gosh. I lived on a red dirt road. My closest wow. neighbor was a mile away. Wow. Uh, we were the only family at that time that I knew that didn't go to church. Okay. And Oh, wow. I, that's, that's kind of isolating. It's, it is. Honestly, it is super isolating because I... In a small town like that. In a small town it's like, like that religion is so knows. huge religion's huge and not just for the god aspect but for the community aspect of course yeah everyone else is going to youth group mm -hmm. and going on mission trips and having all of these bonding experiences that you are separate from mm -hmm. but on the other hand i wasn't super interested in religion mm -hmm. and i didn't feel like it was missing from my life mm -hmm. i was very close-knit with my family i mean hey yeah. we lived out on a red dirt road 15 miles outside yeah. of town which is isolating as well <laughs> and my little brothers were my best friends yeah. so i didn't feel like i was missing out on much mm -hmm. until i noticed all the other kids had inside jokes and experiences mm -hmm. that i hadn't been a part of how old were you when you like realized mm -hmm. that well <laughs> i'll say this when i was Anywhere between 9 to 14, I specifically remember girls inviting me over for sleepovers, specifically on Saturdays because their mothers thought I needed church <gasps> in my life and wanted me to go to church with them on Sunday. Okay. And I've got to give huge kudos to my parents, particularly my dad, because I could call and I could be like, <clears throat> this dad, is it's trying. Um, I've got a real bad tummy ache. I need you to come Aww. get me now and he'd be like is everything okay and i'd be like yeah i'm flowing up you gotta come get me <laughs> and then he'd like roll up and i'd be like dad they were trying to make me go to church and he's like well you don't have to do anything you don't want to do oh like, good dad sweet. um oh that's so he good he had grown up in the catholic church so okay. he was pretty 
big on you make your own choices you will find your own way I love if that. you do with it when it comes to religion and what it has been really beautiful is now he's in his 50s my parents divorced a few years ago mm. and he has returned to church not the catholic church but to church in mm-hmm. his own way yeah and my mom has returned he found to his way exactly yeah. in her own way and i think that's really beautiful but yeah growing up i was one of the only non-religious kids that i knew and it was it was really weird yeah but you so did you like learn the lingo or was it like mm. you heard them talking and you were like this is not i don't understand what they're saying let me <laughs> i'm trying to think of the way to say I can pick up lingo quickly yeah. and not having grown up with group think being uh, imparted on me, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I found it really fascinating from the outside. Okay. I'm a five and I have been a little five my whole life. The mm-hmm. observing of others yeah. and being like, that's fucking weird. So you, you did that. think it was weird. I tried every single church in my hometown. <gasps> I would be, fr- I had befriended kids because like they went to the Mormon church or to the Jewish temple. And I wanted to see what that was. Cause all you just about. wanted to know I wanted to see what was going on in there. The epitome of a curious Some cutie. Some of them were really secretive <laughs> too. So I was like, I've got to get in there and see what these people are doing. That's so funny. And I, as like a parentified child, I really felt like I could go in anywhere and be respectful. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Of what of they course. Had going on and just be curious. But I, it wasn't for me at the time. I was not looking for God. God wasn't looking for me. No, yeah, you were just so fascinated. I was like, I've got to see what these kids are You're doing. You're like, this is cultural. Let, let me tell you this as a bit of my uh, inspiration. A lot of the boys were going to church. And I was curious about that. Of and course. I did have my first kiss at a church lock-in over Easter. Of co- oh, that's such a juicy. I love you, that. I got questions about why churches do lock-ins, why we're locking Girl, teenagers I don't know. up in basements together. And that's where I had my first kiss after carrying a cross for two miles downtown because they wanted us to feel how Jesus felt when he had to carry his own cross. And then everybody got horny and I had my first kiss. So unpack that as you will. But oh, <laughs> best story I can't wait to cut that one that's gonna be a good one that was real so but that wasn't my only curiosity obviously for going to church but it wasn't all the other kids were doing it and all the girls were having somewhere to go and get dressed up on Sunday and which that there's an appeal in that of course absolutely and you know to have a purpose and a plan and a schedule and a routine I have OCD I was curious about how everyone else felt compelled to do this on Sunday Mm. and in my house we just woke up slow made breakfast and watched movies together which was a loving routine too um (laughs) and of course I'm leaving out all the dysfunction right well (laughs) (laughs) but like we had our own routines that were amazing and I just wondered why other people were doing it we're doing it different but spirituality didn't come to me till much later in life okay so when did you I have I have so many things I would want to diverge but I I, but I do want to say like I think that's just so fascinating I love like that arc Mm -hmm. you have many arcs to who you are um so I love that but okay so only recently I feel Mm -hmm. like you've gotten into spirituality and like made it your own Mm -hmm. I came into spirituality a few years ago through um an anonymous form of group therapy and oh interesting really changed my life. I joined because I felt like I had really been impacted by other people's actions and I had chosen specific people and specific life paths based on something that I obviously needed to heal within myself. Mm. I didn't know that was why I joined at the time. I just knew that I needed help. Yeah. (laughs) That I needed support. And frankly, community hasn't really been a big part of my life for Mm -hmm. most of my life. Mm -hmm. I've been a pretty isolated individual 
I've, I've had fake community that's like not even like fake friends but i mean i i thought i had community but anytime i've looked back on any era of my mm-hmm. life i didn't actually have any friends mm-hmm. it was like this like my my parents my family and the church like told me i had community mm-hmm. so i always thought i did because mm-hmm. they just said i did but i i did not have commu- i didn't have friends like i wasn't a very like social kid i had like one friend per era of my life and anyway i just think that's like that's interesting like what people can say to you as Mm -hmm. well that you just believe I don't know if you are that way for me it was honestly because I grew up so close-knit with my family and I had I mean I have friends but I had one best friend I met her when I was seven years old Mm. shouts out Caitlin we're still friends shout out BFF she's been my best friend since I was seven years old she still lives in my hometown she's a teacher there she sees my family more than I do but and she fell into my family and became a part of our dynamic, which each of my siblings has a tendency to do with their friends as well. Okay. My family was so close knit that I had that community. Uh huh. And so I, A, didn't feel as much of a need to build other community, but also B, and this is not to blame my family, this is on me, but I felt that if I didn't have that level of acceptance for my flaws, that level of dysfunction and chaos, uh-huh. that level of comfort, then something wasn't comfortable and I didn't want to lean into it with intimacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I still, to this day, I struggle with being avoidant mm-hmm. and being detached. That's mm-hmm. still a core wound that I have. But yeah. I think my, I wouldn't say inability, but lack of prioritization for community for a good portion of my life came from having a pretty core community back home mm, and yeah. so I mean I still I'm 30 years old and I FaceTime with my brothers almost every day oh that's so special and a lot of people don't have sibling relationships like that we it's live so, hundreds yeah, so of true. miles away from each other and we're seven and 14 years apart that's but so we wild. we maintain closeness largely which is on me as the oldest sibling I feel like I have built that foundation with them and yeah. it's taken a lot of effort throughout my life but been worth doing mm. um but yeah I I didn't have super close friendships until I would say the last five years and I didn't yeah. have spirituality until then either so was there anything like what caused that spiritual journey to like begin I had already been in therapy for a few years all right and the group that therapy. had really mm-hmm. helped I was in like no, uh, CBT therapy. I was seeing mm-hmm. a one-on-one therapist mm-hmm. since my on my twenty fifth birthday. I went for the first time because I felt oh, wow. like I was having a quarter life crisis, which I was. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I also <laughs> yep. had a quarter life crisis. I was. Uh, and that was amazing. I had you know one on one therapy, and that was great. But I, uh, how would I put this? I entered a relationship that brought to light a lot of the things I needed to heal, mm. and it was very isolating. It was during the pandemic. So it was environmentally mm. isolating. Right. It was a secret that wasn't mine to tell. And that out of fear and shame in myself, I felt I couldn't share. So Share all, about the relationship? Mm-hmm, and about what was going on. Okay. And so all of that caused me to turn inward even more than I already have my whole life. Mm-hmm. Where I just built a shell around me. Mm. And uh, the friend that we shared, Kelsey, was... Mm -hmm. She and I had just met during that time, actually. Okay. And I really felt that I had to make a change in my life. And I wasn't sure where to start. Because it wasn't just that relationship or what that person was doing or what they were struggling with. It was really... 
you know, I picked that person. I put myself on that life path. There's something in me that needs healing and still always will. Yeah. And I kind of hit my version of a rock bottom and was Mm -hmm. like, I need help. I Mm -hmm. need to find a place where I can heal this. And a therapist suggested that I try something else. And that was where I started group therapy. Okay. Okay. So that's, and that was, you I was 20. You were 25, 26? 27, okay. 27, 28. Yeah, I was in 2021. Okay. So then what is your, like, what is your spirituality? You said you're, like, more spiritual now. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that look like for you now? Uh, I, it is an acceptance that I am not God, Mm -hmm. which was a huge one for me. Okay. Um, One of the first things in mind group therapy we had to do is accept that there is something greater than ourselves out there. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was hard for me, not because I think I'm the greatest, but because I have always needed to have control. Right. You're like, I can't trust anyone yes. else. And I really didn't. And also because I felt like I had never even considered God or a higher power mm-hmm. in any capacity. I really hadn't thought of it. And I, not just that, I never thought anyone was there for me. Mm. To like not just to save me, but like having my back, have your back, yeah, considering mm-hmm. me at all, mm-hmm. and that's not a slight to anyone in my life. But the wall I have built around myself, and I still every day have to take a brick out of, is that there are people who want to be close to me. Yeah. There are things bigger than me. There is stuff I can't control out there, and accepting that in some form of spirituality is really freeing for me. Mm. But that was a real struggle of just accepting that I don't have control and that maybe good things are going to come to me that Mm. I can't force. So spirituality now looks to me like considering every day that I'm not God, I don't have control, I can't change things and the things I can change, I should. Uh, I do daily affirmation readings Mm. and that work through childhood trauma and the choices we make today how we show up in relationships um it it was really a shift in thinking for me in Mm -hmm. spirituality Mm -hmm. and feeling like something is bigger than me and listening to whatever calls to me in my gut yeah and Mm. feeling I know this may sound a little silly but feeling hopeful spirituality brought me that for the first time instead of just being realistic and trying to force the outcomes I wanted just laying back and being hopeful Mm. oh that's so good like we mentioned like we have like the reverse like Virgo and Pisces Mm -hmm. and they say that rising signs are like there's multiple ways to kind of interpret it but one of the ways that I actually really have found to enjoy is that Sometimes people say or believe that your rising sign represents who you were as a child way before you learned like the the context of the way you're supposed to show up in the world and the layers you put on to protect yourself, which is would be fascinating in your like in in your like experience because yours is Virgo rising. So Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how that would like apply with your life. But for me personally, as a Virgo sun and Pisces rising it's kind of easy to like see what that would look like Mm -hmm. because even just in and of itself you could be like oh a Virgo is an adult and a Pisces is Mm -hmm. like a child you know what I mean like it's just like a little fairy like you can just kind of Mm -hmm. already paint that picture and see how that would yeah like relate um do you feel like that has like true for you I will say that I have been a 
measured person, a person who does things right, a person who feels others should do things right for mm. my whole life, which feels very Virgo. Mm-hmm. Um, something that someone once said to me was, your rising sign is what you felt the need to be as a child mm. and what you think the world expects of you. Okay, so it's kind of the opposite. And opposite. I, well, I don't know. I mean, like you said, there's so many ways to interpret it. But yes, I did feel that yeah. way because I do feel I took on these like Virgo characteristics for mm. sure as a child, as a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm, okay. And I still to this day think that what is valuable in me is doing things right, mm. being self-sufficient, being independent, not being That's a burden fascinating. to anyone. And I, my whole life, have really rejected being a Pisces. I mean, when people ask me, what's your sign? I'll be like, you always say like, I'm I'm a Pisces, Pisces, but I'm a Taurus moon and a Virgo rising. I got to get that in there before they say anything, because every time you read about Pisces, it's they're so emotional and they're always lost in their daydreams. I'm the same way. Like I always say all three because I'm like, look, I'm not all that whole picture. I'm not all that tense because I'm a because I'm a I'm a Virgo (laughs) sun and a Capricorn moon. Oh, my husband's a Capricorn moon. Y'all are some freaks. Yeah. So (laughs) our emotions are very like we we keep them locked. Locked, baby so I'm like I'm not all that intense so I want people to know that I have a Pisces rising mm. so it's interesting that you say that because I'm like oh I do want people to know like I'm f- I'm free I'm a little butterfly I'm a fairy so like funny. it's something I I'm like I crave for people to see that I'm silly I crave for people to see that I'm like dreamy mm. because I feel so much like people perceive me as and this has to do with my lineup again in the family because my sister was like very bubbly very Mm. extroverted her face is literally formed with a smile even though she like she she's a capricorn she like hates everyone but like she but she looks like she's smiling you know what (laughs) i mean and i'm like in the on the inside i'm gooey on the inside Mm -hmm. with the pisces rising i think Mm -hmm. and but what people and what i see them perceiving me as is the virgo is the Mm -hmm. capricorn is this harsh whatever cold stern stoic and Mm. so now i feel like as an adult i love to tell people i have pisces rising so that's interesting that take yeah i don't want anyone to see me as emotional or dreamy or lost in the clouds or can't take care of myself i have been burying my pisces my whole life and i'm having to come to terms with that other people know it about me. One of the most hurtful things that I think my husband ever said to me was, well, you're really sensitive. And I was like, the fuck? (laughs) That's crazy you would say that. And he's much more emotional than me. Like he'll weep at a commercial. He he cries in arguments. He he presents as having a lot more emotions than me. Interesting as a Capricorn moon. He's Pisces sun though. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both Pisces. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, but he was like, well, you're really sensitive. And I was like, that's not true. And then he ha- he was like, well, we'll see. He's asked my brothers. He's asked my other friends. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, Cheyenne's really sensitive. And I was like, damn. I'm that's not- interesting. So it's obviously not a secret. But you were offended by that, like, I am comment. now. In this moment, I'm offended. <laughs> that's so funny because as soon as Adam <laughs> told me I was sensitive, I, like, broke, like, in the, in the best way. I was like, somebody sees me as soft because – Growing up, my mom, one of the things, and we've talked about this, she knows, but one of the hardest things that, like, I kind of had to grapple with was, like, she called me a tough cookie a lot. Oh, yeah. Being born 30, being a tough cookie, having a thick skin. Yeah. Uh, you'll always be fine. You'll always take care of yourself. I'll always be fine. Mm-hmm. I'll always be fine. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of myself. That's, mm-hmm. like, that is said over and over and over and over. So I'm like, I, yeah, I'm a tough cookie. But on the inside, I was like, I don't feel 
to oh, pop. Period. Yeah. Like so I'm, I'm like yeah. I'm I'm like I'm not even the cookie. I'm the ingredients in the bowl still Literally, I'm, I'm like, not even cooked the yet. sugar yeah. and the chocolate. <laughs> like yeah, no, exactly. And so when he, it's funny because when he said that to me, I was like, that just it, it made me like turn into a puddle and just really mm-hmm. embrace that again. Back to like I loved my human design because I was like, yeah. oh, somebody sees me as soft. I hate to feel seen. Hmm. It's something I'm working on every Interesting. day. Interesting. It's something I'm working like on. Like if somebody every reads you, you're like uncomfortable. Yeah, I feel violated. Really? Oh yeah. I feel nervous being on video at all and I don't like anyone hearing my voice. Not because I don't like my voice. I don't want to be known. I have a real issue. Why? With that. We don't relate on that. I don't know. So it has to be like a family. It is really just yeah, it's a protection thing. Protection. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I very much wanted when I was growing up to not be seen as less than Mm. or struggling. Mm -hmm. I did not want pity. And I still to this day have a fear that if I am seen that I will be weak or vulnerable and being vulnerable is really difficult for me. It's something I'm working on and I know the people in my life love to feel connected and love for me to be vulnerable but it is hard for me and so my relationships where people have been patient to let that blossom have been so beautiful like my husband mentioning a year in well you're really sensitive and I've known that (laughs) since day one yeah in one way I was like oh my god I can't be seen this way and in the other way I was like damn and he has loved me for 365 days plus Mm -hmm. with Kelsey she met me in a place where I was really unhealthy and my walls had never been higher and Mm. damn it if she didn't still have margaritas with me every Wednesday and wait for those walls to come down like the patience and love Aww. that other people show me does make me feel really soft inside. Yeah. It's just something I struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's how I feel too, but I feel like I approach it very differently. I'm good like for you. reaching for, well, and I don't even know if it's a good thing. <laughs> I'm just saying we take opposite approach there. Yeah. Um, okay. But I did want to ask you and also add to the conversation that, you're also indigenous. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part yes. of your story. Yeah. So my mom was adopted. Going back to that, you asked me that like probably 20 minutes ago. Here we are. <laughs> uh, my mom was adopted and my adoptive grandparents were amazing. Mm-hmm. My adoptive grandfather was a five. Okay. And we spent a good, most of my childhood together, he and I, okay. one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I, he was a scientist. Mm-hmm. And I think cool. that really built my personality yeah. for sure. But so her adoptive parents were amazing, but she was always very curious about where she came Mm -hmm. from. And Mm -hmm. me and my brothers all look identical to my dad. Okay. It's just the face keeps getting replanted. That's funny. And she really wanted to know that there were people out there who looked like her. Oh, yeah. And who were from where she was from. Everyone has a desire to know that we are not alone. Yep. And we're all curious about where we come from, you know, even I am to a different, in a different way and to a different extent, but who doesn't want to know where, how you got here, how your fucking dot got on the map somehow. Yeah. yeah. So she was really curious about that growing up and never got to have the closure Mm. or, uh, or the welcoming that she wanted. Yeah. And so we had to piece together information, which, uh, something Lauren and I have talked about includes health wise, Mm -hmm. you know, when you come from a closed adoption and Mm -hmm. you have children, you guys don't know what you're up against. And we had to hear things from the few biological family members that she ever got into contact with. And I had to be tested for the BRCA gene because Mm. it sounded like cancer was a big thing and we weren't really sure what it was caused by. And 
there there were all these mysteries there's so much mystery shrouded there Mm -hmm. that I think was very painful for her and of course I don't know that experience and it's not necessarily mine to share but one thing that was a big part of that is that we knew her father was indigenous Mm -hmm. and we also lived in Oklahoma which where I come from, everyone is indigenous. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's all over the place. No matter how white somebody is, they have some portion of Cherokee or whatever. Yeah. And so it was just, okay, well, we all are. It's not really anything that special. And then when I got out into the world, I realized that's not everyone's story. Yeah. And there's such heritage there. And right. there are so many people that can tell you, even if you don't know exactly where you came from, you can learn about the surrounding culture and the beliefs and the things that happened to those people who Mm. were native here. Mm -hmm. And it is interesting to see from the outside. It it is again, kind of like being the only kid that didn't go to church Mm. in that I can see from the outside, but I will never be able to get a card. I will Mm. never be able to know exactly. She never got in contact. Okay. And he is no longer alive, so Mm. it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And so we will just never know. And it is interesting to only be able to look from the outside. Yeah. Definitely like looking through a window. And a big part of that culture is not wanting to be appropriated and not wanting outsiders to come in and not understand. So I understand why the walls are high. But it is hard for someone like me who can't ever provide a paper or give you an exact, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, in modeling over the course of the last 15 years, so many times a makeup artist has asked me, what are you? And I'm just, I'm a white girl. I don't know. I'm a white girl. I'm sure it's not that interesting. And they're like, no, I see some whatever, whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's interesting because you don't, I know we've talked about it, like, you know, just the two of us that, you know, your mom has her own story Mm -hmm. and like her own experience with this. Um, And something that like you hadn't heard of before was the the 60 swoop. Mm -hmm. And so not that necessarily that was her her story. Right. But I do know that a lot of people her age and maybe a little older have experienced very similar things Mm -hmm. because of that. Um, So essentially it was during the 60s and during the time when a lot of native kids were taken by the government and given up. They're putting it in foster care and uh, were adopted by white families. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a long history there and we can go into that. Um, but basically there are a lot of people who have experienced similar yeah. things. Even my, so with the missing Matoka project, I, the, the guy that I ended up working alongside that he was like the creative director, we met through the project. We realized like both our grandparents went to the same exact residential school. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And their names are on the plaque are literally like seven names from each other, which is freaking the crazy. Theory is real. It really is. Yeah. Um, but his mother, so he had to do a lot of reconnection because his mother was adopted and it was, mm-hmm. that was her experience with the 60 scoop. And, um, so she had she worked really hard to find her family where she came from and um he told me that part of her story was that when she had children it was the first time that she was like oh these are this is my family Mm -hmm. because it was like her blood you know um and it was like that experience and she worked really hard they were like my friend Derek who again part of the project he was like and he was older by the time he got his his mm-hmm. um, status card which status cards don't I mean they don't matter but it, it is that sense of like security in a weird way mm-hmm. so I understand that like there would be a deep desire to have it if I did not also have mm-hmm. it so I definitely understand why that's 
yeah a big deal where i come from if you it matters at school like you present your status card so that you get to partake in certain activities it well, matters with what benefits cool too. you get to have and it's it's a big part of the community there i mean i grew up where we went to powwows on school field mm. trips wow i didn't realize that not everyone did that until i got out into the world yeah i did not okay at all i was literally <laughs> the only native indigenous kid that anyone had ever heard of for wow. miles yeah i mean we so my husband's from the northeast and the first time i brought him home we drove and so we drove all the way through eastern oklahoma to get to my hometown and i mean there are teepees everywhere there are signs that tell you what tribe is native there and where you can That's find so information great. on them and there is Native American symbolism all over. I mean, on government buildings, everywhere. And I am not saying Oklahoma does it perfectly by any means, but there is a lot of outward representation. Like, at least kids growing up understand that they exist. Like, kids yes. literally used to tell me I was lying because they thought natives were like mermaids. That's so crazy to me. Yeah, where I come from, it is just everyone is. And mm. so they're, they are allowed to exist, but I, I am sure that they undergo a lot of experiences that I don't know about. Yeah. But it was interesting to hear from him oh we don't we don't have this where i come from oh i've never seen this before yeah and I was like, but indigenous people are everywhere particularly up in the northeast there was a lot of yeah uh native people up there and they just aren't paid that same respect or they aren't still represented and yeah. i didn't realize i was lucky to have that where i come mm -hmm. from and i'm sure it wasn't perfect but i am glad that we had it and even if i didn't get to fully partake i'm glad yeah. that it exists you but you did have the like experience of knowing what you weren't yeah. partaking in mm -hmm. you <laughs> know true. like you did have that Which knowledge was another community that i wasn't in you, you were know? like on the outside another community i'm looking through the window of yeah that's fascinating. For sure. Yeah, that's like adds to the pile of the things. Mm -hmm. So you're just like, I want this wall mm -hmm. shield because mm -hmm. already I'm an outsider. Right. So let me just like continue what I know. Let me just carry the window with me everywhere. Literally. I go. Exactly. <laughs> it's fascinating too with like being, you know, being, I consider myself mixed just because like my dad, like my dad grew up like going to the res, living on the res with his grandparents and like our culture, it was like, growing up i my mom is white my dad's indigenous you don't have to explain it to me and so but i'm just saying for people <laughs> listening like i consider myself mixed in that and one of the things that's like i've spoken on now several times but it's just something i love to harp on is that you know back when a couple of years ago i was realizing how much um nuance meant to me like mm. how much like you know, holding two truths at once meant to me. And this, and this is like during a time when like social, social justice warrior Lauren was like starting to like calm down. Cause she was like just angry at the world at all times. Totally. So I was like learning that, um, and learning to see through the lens of, well, maybe there's nuance here. Maybe there's another way to see this. Maybe there's more mm -hmm. than just the binary lenses I'm seeing the world through. And once I like kind of propelled through that season of my life of being able to hold two, two truths at once I was like I kind of came to this realization that a big part of that has to do with me reckoning with also holding two truths at once in Within my own yourself. body yeah. and in my own ex lived mm -hmm. experience and I realized that that's like what like why that means so much to me even though I didn't consciously think about that when like approaching like socio-political issues or whatever it does matter and it does affect like ha holding multiple truths within your body and within your like family's experience mm -hmm. does give you that edge of no we need nuance mm -hmm. do you feel like that's true for you i am so 
passionate about that and it's something I talk about a lot and a place of that I struggle to connect with others in my life who aren't able to do that mm-hmm. and everyone has their own reasons for clinging to the things that they need to and feeling passionate about the things that they do and I don't want to erase that but people who can't understand nuance who can't hold two things at once who can't even if they disagree see how another person got somewhere that Mm -hmm. level of critical thinking for me determines whether or not we can have intelligent conversation right determines how much energy I will put like I don't want to judge you for that but I also kind of have to to navigate mm -hmm. our conversation or interactions I mean you know there we have such a negative connotation around judgment and sometimes judgment is fucking mean and sometimes it's wrong and sometimes it's petty and sometimes it is just assessing let me that's literally (laughs) the word I was about to use not I know this is very five but assessing my level of safety in this conversation of course my level of Look, I only have so much energy in this day, and how much am I going to put into talking to this person? Of course. If they're dumb as fuck, very little. (laughs) And so for me, nuance is so important. And something I say often, even in conflict, if I'm saying one thing and the other person is saying another, I will just say two things can be true. Now what? Yeah. We we are both right, you know? We both feel a certain way. Maybe there's not even a right. Maybe we just feel or think a certain way. Right. And then what? How are we going to keep moving together? And for me, black and white thinking is a crutch I know many people need, but is only doing a disservice to like yourself, to others, to any sociopolitical issues you're thinking about. Yeah. You are limiting yourself in what you understand and in how passionate you could be about your own side of things. Because mm-hmm. for me, as a five more educated you are, the more you can feel how you feel, baby. Right. But you got to get there first. We can't right. just assign belief to something because your favorite celebrity said it yeah or because you read one article about it or because in conversation the smartest person you think you know had this take like decide for your fucking self I'm that's really important to me and being able to see whole people particularly women but whole people in general they're 360 degrees all the way around have their own lives have their own things going on and they may be this awful thing and they may do this great thing right that that sucks that's weird right you have to hold that anyway yep it's real you cannot erase either thing so then what and I think we really struggle as a society right now to do the then what yeah yeah no I completely agree yeah I feel like it's like what keeps us like learning and what people should like people should have that in my mind I'm like people should have that ability like it Mm -hmm. should be something we're taught unfortunately we're not Mm -hmm. to be able to hold two truths at once Mm -hmm. it's just we live in such a binary world who want to see like oh this is bad this is good Mm -hmm. um and I know you spoke about like you know even in your bio you spoke about being like a feminist Mm -hmm. um and that bell hooks is like inspirational to you (laughs) and I love that and um yeah so like what what does that like well what does that mean for you and how how you like challenge societal norms and whatever if I do and maybe I don't maybe somebody's gonna be like let me tell you one thing about that girl she doesn't and that's fine I would love to hear it but for (laughs) me I I'm learning every day as we all are but I spent a good portion of my 20s being angry with how society treated me Mm. and angry at men and I think a lot of people want to erase that kind of experience it's like oh you must have father issues well Mm. newsflash I love my dad my dad's the best so it is that it's got to be something else and it is just a societal way that we are all taught to be 
misogynist. Like we live in a patriarchy. We all have internalized misogyny. I do. You do. Yep. Everyone does. We all do. And so I spent a good time feeling feminist, but in the I hate men kind of way. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> a hard part of getting older and trying to get wiser is learning the patriarchy harms everyone. Yes. And whether you are male, female, no matter how you present, you are harmed in some way by the patriarchy and holding all of those things at once is really tough. It is. We want to be angry and some things are wrong and we're like, why should we have to put up with this? Yeah. And people's experience are valid no matter where they come from or how they identify. And at the same time, patriarchy harms everyone and we are all affected by it. So then what? Right. Right. Well, you married a man. I married a man. Yeah, which was very <laughs> off-brand for me. And I, uh, I never wanted to get married. Yeah, why? Never planned on getting what, married. What's the deal there? That's a good question. I don't really know. It may just be a general hyper-independence and detachment. Mm. Um, Did my, you feel that, like, if you got married, like, you would have to become dependent? Or mm. that, like, that was, like, the role you had to play? Hmm. I don't know because I didn't really think about it. It was like God. It wasn't important to me Mm -hmm. and I've only got so much brain space. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. running. Even when I had serious relationships, it was, I don't want to get married. You know that. Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't stemming from home. My parents did divorce whenever I was in my twenties, but they were in love whenever we were growing up. Mm. And now I never grew up with, uh, like bridal magazines around. My parents Mm. got married when I was three and they were not super traditional people. And so I didn't think about the world in a super traditional lens, which I feel was part of it. Even whenever you were talking about being able to hold two things at once, I was thinking about how different my brain was formed not having religious indoctrination. Mm. So black and white thinking wasn't that big of a deal in my childhood brain. Like, granted, my parents were very much, this is right, this is wrong, this Mm. is how we treat people, we act with empathy, we accept others. Uh, we had a moral sense, but outside of that, there wasn't a ton of black and white thinking going on. So my brain is, I feel more easily able to be like, okay, well, this is true and this. And I know mm. it must take unlearning for a lot of people who grew up with Big time. religious indoctrination. I was going to um, say, you're, you're especially because you were diagnosed with OCD, it's actually mm-hmm. very... You're very fortunate that you didn't experience a lot of religion because yeah. there. Uh, do you know what scrupulosity yes. is? Yeah. Yeah. So that a lot of people who who suffer from OCD mm-hmm. and who were indoctrinated in religion mm-hmm. do end up having like a lot of religious OCD. Yeah, that's they like suffer a lot from yeah. that, and so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, well, that's anyway. You're fortunate to not have I dealt am. with that. In so many ways, I'm fortunate to have had the experience that I had, and in some ways, I'm unfortunate. And that is two things. Are we all? Are yes. Two things being true at once. Yes. But yeah, for me, just traditionalism was not that important. And like, what my life looked like on the outside, or if I was following what other people did, I was fortunate to not be indoctrinated with. So marriage was just not super on the table. I was super close with my family. I was the oldest daughter who will always need to take care of my brothers. Mm -hmm. I'm the executor of my parents' wills. Like I, I mean, I am too. (laughs) Of course you are. (laughs) So I just felt like, Hey, I've already got a lot of responsibility for people that I am obligated to and B, what am I going to do? Let somebody in that close. Right. So for me, marriage was never really on the table. And then, yeah, I married a man. You quickly fell in love and then you quickly, quickly got fell, married. Quickly fell in love, even quicker got married. And yeah. uh, 
I, in general, like in my day-to-day life, I'm a pretty careful, pretty measured person. But one thing I will say I do like about myself is I have never been afraid to take a fucking chance because Mm -hmm. I am so careful and so measured. And I think about Mm -hmm. everything so fucking hard Mm -hmm. that if I feel something in my gut, in my heart and in my brain, that's green means go. Oh yeah. Like look out. Like I'm just bulldozing. I have just gotten the star power on Mario Kart and I am fucking (laughs) zooming in life because I have gotten a green light from every part of my existence. So, so true. Yeah. And that doesn't happen very often. So when it does, I'm like, fuck it. We ball. Yes. Yeah. we get married at the courthouse like, we rage yes. like whatever it is we quit my i quit my job i do whatever like yep. i trust in myself when i feel that it's the time to do something to do it and getting married was one of those things for me oh i'm obsessed <laughs> and i love the way you got married too um i i think if i hadn't so i was engaged before i ever met you know I yeah. met adam and no actually i did know adam when i got engaged but anyway you have to explain it to me but <laughs> i think if i wasn't planning a wedding beforehand and didn't feel as if i needed yeah, to follow through up. with it then i feel like i need like i would have eloped i would have done something like courthouse or something with adam because it's very me it's also very us like me and him to just like run away from the rest of the world and like totally. go get married but because i was planning a, a wedding beforehand i was like i feel like i need to follow through with this or mm-hmm. else I'm going to feel like I got gypped on something. Sure. That, I mean, I caused for myself, but I mean, granted, I was also, I don't even know. I think it was like 24 when we got married. So how the fuck were you supposed to know? So how was I supposed to know what to do? You can't know what you But looking know. back, I'm like, I really support like courthouse or eloping. Like that's, yeah. that's such a, I don't know. I think that's such a positive experience for most people. It was, I wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. And I will say even now having friends that have gotten married or are getting married and having weddings so excited to be a part of those experiences and yeah. I want them to have every single moment that they are looking for in yes those. no part of it makes me wish I had done it yeah I <laughs> we went and got our marriage license and liked the woman who gave us our marriage license so much that I was like do you want to marry us and she was like I never do this, but I kind of fuck with y'all. Yeah. I'll oh marry my you. God. And the I next realize. day, yeah, we, I bought a vintage Chanel blazer and some white trousers. Yeah, you looked hot as hell. Thank you. Yes. And we got my husband's brown vintage suit at Goodwill. Obsessed. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite stories to tell about this experience, because I think it shows not just something about me, but how it feels to be seen and how it can be good is the day that we were getting married, the only person that I let come was someone to take photos because Mm -hmm. I wanted to have photos for the rest of of my life. And it was a friend of ours, but it wasn't one of my very best friends because I didn't want to feel obligated to invite anyone. I very much wanted it to just be the two of us. I told my family ahead of time. I told a couple of girlfriends. That was it. And I love that you did that. I didn't want one person to be there. So someone was like, why wasn't I there? Sure. us getting married has nothing to do with anyone else. And so that is true. the big qualm I have with the wedding culture we have in America. Yeah. It's like you don't owe anybody anything. They don't owe you anything. Yeah. It is going to be you and this person in a room together trying to figure life out for possibly the rest of your life. Yep. Focus on that dynamic and shut the other shit out. Yeah. You know, absolutely. it's you and Adam against the world sometimes. Of course. It, I mean, it was for many years. Yeah. So like why we started the podcast yes. in the beginning. It was literally just the two of us like being like, uh, hello, is anyone out there yeah yeah you know? you're, you're all of a sudden in like interstellar by yourself literally so uh the day of our wedding i normally don't wear makeup 
And I felt like it's going to be the most special day of my life. Yeah. That's what everyone says. It's the best yeah. day of your life, whatever. Sure. Yeah. And I was like, I've got to wear makeup. And so I went out. I got like fake lashes and some eyeshadow. Uh-huh. I didn't own any. Got some eyeshadow. Went in the bathroom. Spent like 45 minutes getting ready. Glued on these fake eyelashes, which is so hard when you have contacts. Like, oh. I know I've had professionals do my makeup many times, but I haven't been doing it. Yeah. I was not one of the YouTube girlies growing up watching makeup tutorials. My mom didn't really wear makeup. Nobody's, okay. me and my mom look completely different, have completely different skin So it's types. not like you were like learning from Nobody's her. Nobody's been showing me shit. Yeah. So I get in there and I put on all this makeup and I come out and my husband's like, you look beautiful. And then he's like, do you feel like yourself? Oh, no. I was like, are you kidding me? And we're literally walking out the door. And I was like, no, I need to go wash my face. I went, I washed my face. We got in the car and we went and got married and had a blast. Oh, my gosh. We got married in downtown Nashville, right outside the courthouse. Yeah. At five o'clock on a Friday. Not a single person came out of the courthouse during that time. Not a single siren went by. No one came by and honky tonked or hollered. It wow. was literally like the world Divine. stopped. It was. Divine. And we got married. It took like 15 minutes. I think I saw you that day. You, yeah, you did. You saw me outside a few babies. I was it? Chi- yes. Yeah, yes. I was getting my chicken sandwich before the wedding, as you should. Oh, my God. And then, hilarious. Yeah, we got married. We went out to a steakhouse, just the two of us. Obsessed. And had a steak dinner. Went home and had some French dessert in bed. And that was it. We both went back to work the next day. Um. That was obsessed. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so You know, Adam has Roman numerals tattooed on his hand, and people think it's our wedding date, but it's not. Aww. It's the day that I told him I was going to break up with my ex, and so he knew he was going to be what with me Adam forever. Sign? What? What is Adam's sign? He's a Sagittarius. Okay. Which I Sagittarius is my absolute favorite. Well, yeah, um, that sign. level of passion. Yeah. That level of dedication. That oh, level of petty. Yes, bitch. Yeah. He's, That's so sweet. He's like, him literally knowing, amazing. Not, it's not like that you were his. It's that you were free to make your own choice. And he was pretty fucking sure you were choosing him. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's the day I um, got rid of my engagement ring and got my nose ring. Okay. So it's like it for multiple reasons, you Level know, up. means a lot yeah, to us. That's beautiful. So like I, I completely understand. And also like for our, our Valentine's, it's like kind of similar to the energy of like your wedding where a lot of people like they go out, they make reservations. Mm-hmm. But for us personally, we do Valentine's like we order pizza in, and all. we get really high and we like <laughs> have just like the <laughs> most honestly the most um bro-y kind yeah, of hang well we we have sex beforehand because it's like then i really want to bro out i can't bro out and then have sex that's I not how i work two minutes before we left the house to go get married see so it has I to be before you. it's like you have to like you do gotta have that. that connection the connection and the tension and then you could just like relax and we just like game and like watch movies exist and, like, together because that yes. is what marriages and yeah I didn't I'm glad I didn't know before to be honest I'm glad I didn't have any kind like of the expectation I'm glad yeah. I didn't have expectation I'm glad I didn't think things were going to happen in a certain time in a certain way I'm glad I got to just experience it because something that someone who is now married and had a big wedding shared with me was that most of the first year of their marriage was paying back their wedding debt <laughs> yeah. sending out thank you notes and trying to figure out how to exist together and like bring their families together and all these other things and I am sure that many people have that experience and it's beautiful and exactly what they wanted love that for them but for me just existing with this person was Mm -hmm. what I knew life was going to be and what we needed to build on and every for me with the same way I prioritize everything everything else outside of that didn't fucking matter to me and so we eloped we did it our way we've 
moved on with our lives. Yeah. I'm obsessed. That was what was right for me. Right. Of course. And I do highly recommend it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, didn't, I did not do that. And I feel like I highly recommend it. Yeah. A lot of my girlfriends are like, if I had to go back and do it again, I would probably just elope. I never even got to try my wedding cake. So with a couple of girlfriends <laughs> getting married coming up, one of our shared girlfriends getting married coming up, I'm like, whatever I have to do to make sure that my girl gets to be present on her day, yeah. gets to eat what she wants, do what she wants, gets enough one-on-one time with her partner, whatever right. I can do to make sure that instead of that day being for everyone else or for pictures or for anything else but it is for the bond that the two of them are gonna build. right i'm there i think the next i feel like the next generation of people getting married not like right lowest but like i'd say like 30 years from mm-hmm. now 20 years 25 years from now i think there'll be a lot more people eloping because i think I they're going so. to like realize not because of not because i'm judging anyone else's choices but because I'm anti-capitalism and I'm tired of what we have done to the wedding industry in this country. I hope that that is true. Yeah. I'm I'm wishing for that. Well, and and also I just hope that people start recognizing that things aren't about like tradition. It's not about that. It's not about having to do what you're supposed to do. I think it's not about what anyone else has done. Right. And I hope that the next generation kind of sees and is like we are able to teach them that are like, what is it that you actually desire? Mm. Like truly deep down, not like what you've been told to dream about, think about. One of the most painful things for me to hear someone I care about say is well I feel like it's just what you're supposed to do yeah which is what I was saying before I got I was like engaged to somebody else yeah I was like well this is I said I was gonna I said I was going to I've made this commitment I everybody sees it I just sent out save the date it would be so hard not to never listen to those voices in your brain no they just tell you to stick in something that isn't right for you yeah and you're never stuck yeah you're not ever stuck that is one of the things that my parents really uh, imparted on me growing up that I loved was you always have a choice. Yes. Love and that. you are never stuck. Love. And I really took that to heart and it has caused me to make some really pivotal decisions in my life. And I, you know, love you, mom and dad. You did a lot of things wrong, but you ate some things up and that was one of them. <laughs> That's <laughs> fantastic. I feel the same. I feel like I feel bad for my, like my parents or my mother. I does listen every once in a while to mm-hmm. my episodes and I'm like, I feel bad, but like I told her a long, long, long time ago, like if she's going to have problems with it or like have emotional like mm-hmm. conflict with it, because in the beginning she was listening and bringing up issues to me. Oh, and sure. I told her and I was like, I will somehow figure out a way to block you oh, if you if you, you can't boundary, if you, you can't figure out how to navigate this, because my podcast mm-hmm. is going to be where my I space, share my, my truth. Space. Yep. Right. I'm like, it may not be also not everything I say about my childhood is reflected on how you parented me totally and that's like something she needed to like learn as well I'm sure that's very hard for parents and not having children myself I know I haven't had that direct experience but one thing I will say is we all have different experiences and they are all true it's really discombobulating for me to go back home and visit and I will be like oh you guys remember that time blah 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 and then my dad's like that is not what happened. So-and-so right. was living here at that time. And then my little brother's like, no, she's right. That happened, but also this. And none of us can agree. And the person in me who wants to be right and right. wants to be righteous five years ago was mm-hmm. like, well, we're all going to have to get on the same page. And nowadays I am totally able to sit back and be like, damn, somehow in some universe, all three of these things are true. It's that nuance. We're all right. <laughs> yeah, we're all right. Like no one's memories are 100% right. Somewhere in the middle of this is the truth of yeah. how we all acted, yep. how we all reacted, what was going on outside of those things. And all those things are coloring all of our pictures of each other. Yeah. And so if I'm speaking on something, that is just my experience. That does not mean that everybody in the room felt the same way. It doesn't mean that I'm exactly right. But between me and my therapist, 
I'm right. Right. It's true. I mean. <laughs> in that room and in this room where you and I are making space for each other. Like, yeah. this is our version of right. And exactly. Yeah. But I so know true. that has to be hard for parents. And it's it's also hard for me as the oldest sibling. I don't know if you've had this experience. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. when you feel invalidated because yeah. someone else is like, that's not how that happened. Or, or when you your younger this. siblings have trauma. And you're yes. like, I really tried to help you not have that. Yeah, I really like, did I really my did best with you. Yeah, something for me is trying to uh, not overshare Mm -hmm. because things were sometimes going on that they weren't aware of, maybe don't need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. Things were going on in my life that maybe as younger brothers, they don't need to hold and they don't need to make space for. I get that. But also sometimes if something comes up, I'm like, well, there is probably a reason or right. probably a story or factors, but ways also, that you can like let them know, mm-hmm, but, but sometimes not for everyone to carry, you know, my backpack's my backpack and mm. I got to carry it. And hopefully parents are able to at their best do the same. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm learning to do that as well. It's hard. Yeah. And like, I find a lot of, I, I crave being seen as we like mm. talked about before. So my, like a lot of my, I have to be careful not to overshare in the, context of, tr- of just wanting to be seen yeah because that's coming from a trauma response mm-hmm. versus versus like sharing like i'm gonna share the story i'm gonna share my experience mm-hmm. as someone who's like genuinely wanting to relate or wanting other people to feel comfort in that story yeah. you know to connect is a, a human need yes yeah exactly yeah well i have one last question for you hit me okay so how do you encourage critical conversations and a curiosity driven approach in your own life and community? That is a great question. In my own life, I think people might describe me at times as a pusher or a challenger. Which is an Enneagram 8, by the way. I know. So I thought I was going to be an 8. And people in my life would tell me, like, you've got to be an 8. You do have a lot of 8 tendencies. I have a ton of 8s. And a ton, I present as an 8, just like I like to present as a Virgo. Don't worry, I've got this shit together. I'm standing on my own. I'm fine. Which, you know, 5 grows to 8. But, like, grows do, yeah. to people love to think that that means always in health. But not necessarily. True. It means I'm always striving to... Go that direction. Go that direction. Yeah. And that's not always what's best for me. Yep. And in my life, I think I... I will challenge conversation. I will ask questions. I will try to understand. Mm-hmm. And often to me, I think it's a neutral space. I'm like, we're just sharing thoughts. Right. And then occasionally someone who might be a bit softer or be different in personality will be like, you're being really intense right yeah. now. And I don't mean to, but it is my hunger for knowledge and yeah. for understanding you. Like, it is it is your own comfort. Yes. You are comfortable there having that sort of conversation. Mm-hmm. I learned... Well, I keep learning that the phrase of treat others as you would have them treat you mm-hmm. or how you'd like to be treated does not work. Yeah. It really doesn't. Because no one wants to be treated like you want to be treated. No. <laughs> most people don't. Yeah, same. And same. so I find that so frustrating because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, in that conversation where you're like, I'm actually, if I'm being more blunt and less emotional, right? It's if because I'm, I'm comfortable, baby. It's because I'm trying to get to know you. I'm comfy and I'm yeah. actually trying to make you comfortable by yeah. leaving out the frill yep. of the fluff and the sugar coating because like to me that... I don't like having to like read between lines. I'm not good at it. I don't want to so have to do it. So I'm like, can you just tell me straight? And so for me, I try, I give that to other people mm-hmm. as a courtesy Same. I, in my head. Yeah. It's a courtesy. Same. But other people I'm like that frill. No, that's why I come in here and I ask like, what are the rules? It's not because I really care for rules. I really don't. I hate them, but yeah. I'm going to respect them in someone else's space. So I'm coming in like, where's the line? Right. Let me know and I won't cross it. Yes. And 
what I found is, and this is not a disparagement, but a lot of people haven't decided where their lines are or they've never thought about it. So I'm coming in hot and I'm like, where is your line? What do you need? What is your boundary? What's important to you? And they're like, well, I've never even thought of it. They're like, I'm just vibing. And on the one hand, I'm envious. I'm like, well, fuck, I've never just but they're but almost they're never. You know what I mean? Vibing when you think you're no, no, because like they may not know their boundaries, but they certainly need them. That's not a vibe. Yeah, no, not knowing your boundaries is not. a vibe. It's not. But yeah, like (laughs) trying to push others is something I've hopefully really gotten better at in the last few years of a I'm not everybody's oldest sister and B my brothers are getting to be adults so they're on my level now too and I don't have a big part of what I've done in my life is tried to put myself in a position where I'm helping others not in that like Enneagram two way where it's full mm-hmm. of obvious caring it's yeah. been in more of I can help you get to the level you want. Do yes. you want to get better? Here are some books I recommend. Yeah. Do you want that pimple to go away? Here are seven products I've tried before and they really work. And I just am always trying to help in a knowledge way. Same. Not everybody wants that. No. Some people aren't ready. Some people are never going to be ready. And it's sometimes stopping me from getting closer to others. So I I'm just trying- learned to to ask yeah if do they you, want to know do you want to be listened to yeah Th- this is what i'll say like if uh if my husband's complaining about work or if a girlfriend is complaining to me about something i'll be like do you want me to say i'm sorry that sucks or do you want me to offer my input yeah and nine times out of ten they do want your input but i think opening that door of permission yeah really helps exactly it does it i really think like helps. leveling out you're like oh i understand it's very understandable that mm-hmm. you feel this way like uh, whatever mm-hmm. just leveling it out at that that point that like baseline Mm -hmm. but then you're like okay so are you looking for like ways to like potentially Mm -hmm. fix this situation or alleviate this pain yeah the thing is I don't think I always know the way to solve a problem but I am I'm an oldest daughter and I'm a parentified person and I am still finding out how to show love to others so one of the first things I want to do is even if I don't know the end goal of what your puzzle should look like, if I care about you and you come to me and you say, I don't know where this piece fits, I am going to come stand next to you and be like, do you want me to take it from you and try? Do you want me to paint it another color for you? Do you want me to read seven books and figure it out? Because that is a way of me showing love. And I understand it's not always the way that is best absorbed and I will work on that. Mm. But for me, the reason I am trying to get alongside you and like, if you're trying to get on the horse up the mountain, I'm getting on the back of the saddle. I'm yeah. Like, Let's figure it out, baby. We can do it together. Yes. And it is a way I'm trying to show love. Yeah. You know, I'm always trying to problem solve, to ask questions, to be curious. And I know for some people that can feel intense or it can feel like it's because they, it, I think it makes some people feel inferior, insecure, like, mm. oh, well, I don't have the answer to that. And what I would want people to know is that is such a valid response. I don't know yet. Of course. I've never really thought about that before. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, that's very real. That's totally okay. Yeah. And if I'm asking you questions, it's okay to say those things. Yeah. And I will totally understand where you're coming from. But for people in my life, whether it's critical thinking or cancel culture, or they have a take on something I really don't agree with, I'm mm. not immediately going to be like, you're wrong. Yeah. But I am going to ask how did you arrive at that point? Have you ever seen this other thing that really spoke to me? Right. And to me, that doesn't feel like arguing. 
but I don't know. We'll see. I have my middle brother is an eight. And so oh, okay. anytime I think I'm being really challenging, I just, I think of him. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty late. You really? Yeah, exactly. You're like, I'm giving at least <laughs> options. Yeah. I don't know what your siblings' Enneagrams are, but for me, it is funny to see how everyone in my family has eight, like in their tri-type. I would There's say a lot of confrontation going on in my house. I would say ours is the same. I don't really? know what our like brothers mm-hmm. are officially. I think they did. I think one of them tested as an eight, which I, I don't I don't know. But I think I, if someone came in and like met them and figured out our dynamic, I think eights would definitely be thrown mm-hmm. around. My sister is a one. OK. And so although that's not eight to me, it, there's a lot it of feels a lot of yeah. home and in myself. So I get that. It feels a lot. Yeah. Like, I mean, again, she's Capricorn. Yeah. So it's like the one she's, she is like the typical, like there is a right way she and a wrong best. way. Yeah. She definitely, yeah, mm-hmm. she definitely thinks Capricorn she knows best. And one for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, our, our family is very passionate, very expressive, very, um, corrective. Same. And that's, hard actually it's one of the biggest lessons I'm like actually really grateful I learned it when my sister was like a teenager she's like 15 16 around that age so I was like 17 18 no maybe a little older and when I realized like me correcting her because I wanted to help her be a better person when I would correct her I realized it was just like strain on our relationship like it just wasn't like it wasn't it wasn't actually benefiting like I could I could look I could like you know look from a a wider lens and be like that's not actually helping anything I don't think she's learning anything when I like correct her in mm-hmm. this way or when whatever and so I I'm actually really grateful that I had a younger sister in that at that level because since then like I don't I really don't consider myself a person that is corrective anymore mm-hmm. but it, it's like innate in me and in that I am consistently now it's easy for me it's been years but I consistently sit back and like try to let other people learn their lessons totally. and not hard feel, and it's hard to do wheel. that Especially because you, you care, care. Mm-hmm. you care so deeply. And mm-hmm. like, even in, in, in my relationship with our friendships, right. We said our, like our mutual mm-hmm. friend, Kelsey, it's like, there's a lot of ways. Cause she and I are really close. Yeah. You guys there's are a, like sisters. There's in my, from the outside, not having this. Yeah. We're like sisters. Like you guys are sisters. And in a lot of ways I've, I've had to learn that too, that like, I care so much about her there there were times in our friendship and our times where I feel like I want to help move her I'm, I'm like you I feel like you should learn this thing hmm. let me like help you and like navigate and like it's true I think there are like elements to having me as a friend that I am going to help you grow as a person that's mm-hmm. just period mm-hmm. but I I think I had like this light bulb moment where I was like oh I'm kind of like doing the like what I was doing with my sister where I was mm-hmm. like, I, and not just Kelsey, but like other people in my life that have been close with me. I'm like, Oh, like I'm, I'm correcting you in your response because I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you not have this painful emotion again. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm like, I see you're in pain. Maybe if you or saw headed toward pain or headed toward pain, I'm like maybe if you see it from this perspective, mm-hmm. they're like, why, why, why can't you just let me feel my feelings? Or why can't I just like feel yes, this way? I'm like, that's very real. because to me, you're in pain. Why would you want to have, I want to help you avoid it, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm like having, I've had to learn a lot within my relationship, relationship to Brooke, the relationship to Kelsey and many other people that like maybe avoding pain for them isn't like, yeah, maybe that's what I'm not, I'm not necessarily supposed saving to them save them from it. A hundred percent. But you know, what's funny is, that's what a mom would say yeah you are like 
parentified in that way as exactly. an oldest daughter. And I have that same thing with my brothers. And it is, it's a parentification or just, you know, it is a level of care that if you never have children and if you don't have siblings, I'm sure you can experience it with friends or something else. But for me, is very much tied to my family dynamic. And yeah. it is a, well, I can help. I have already walked there. Exactly. And sometimes you and someone may be walking the same path, but they're going to take a different trail. They're going to yeah. take an offshoot. And you don't know that at the time. But for me, it is like, I've walked that trail and I don't want you to have to. Yes. Like, you know? I've already experienced it. Why would I let you do this? Mm-hmm. Like, why... Yeah, but it's not it's not necessarily our place to do that. Yeah, but it's it, that's hard to accept, I think, for <laughs> sure. And having one thing that I really like about you, which I don't think I've ever told you, is that so we share a mutual best friend in Kelsey, mm-hmm. and we have a lot in common. And I think similarly, you and I are, like, for better or worse, the term alphas. Like, mm-hmm. we really hold our own space. I'm mm-hmm. not saying that's just an oldest daughter thing or a five thing or whatever. It's just the way that we both are. Yeah. We, like, hold space. And for me, I have never felt competitive with you or uncomfortable around you. I like being around people who know the space they Mm -hmm. take up. That's actually really comforting to me Mm -hmm. versus people who are a little more codependent or don't quite know their place yet, which is totally valid. But for me, as an oldest sibling, then I'm like, well, I got to help you find your place or make sure I don't step on you. Yeah. And I love being in a room where everybody's got big feet. Yeah. (laughs) For like lack of a better comparison. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. And... The thing about us is, like, we got to know each other as friends-in-law, technically. Yeah. <laughs> and That's funny. It's, it's really beautiful. I don't know if it's age. I don't know if it's a different way that we've both wound up at that point. I'm not really sure. But for me, I think in high school, having a shared best friend would have mm. been weird. Mm. And now it's such a common point for me where I'm like, damn, we both made it to a level in life where we found this wonderful person who we got to fall in love with mm. and, like, see through life we both must be really doing something right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, I I do agree that I feel like the, the taking up space and like the person who knows like who they are, mm-hmm. the confidence, like I actually also find comfort in that. So I felt the same way with you. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I feel like an immediate comfort because mm. you just like, I know I'm not going to hurt you. Yeah. You totally. know, it's the reason why I actually don't like, this is so random. Okay. Oh, tell me. But it's the reason why I don't like bugs because I'm afraid to hurt them. <laughs> like I'm afraid to squash them. Like I'm not afraid of them hurting me. Okay. Like I don't like being around bugs because they're small and they're fragile and I'm afraid I'll crush. It comes from like, I crushed a ladybug when I was like five and it was like a traumatic experience. I used to pull the legs off grasshoppers. We're not the same in <laughs> that. Oh my God. So I did it one time and it was really just to scare my younger brother. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. So you're also an oldest sibling. Yeah. Which is a real dynamic. I'm not the oldest sibling. I do have an older brother four years older than me. So I see, I think that would have helped me. (laughs) It it would give you a different dynamic. I can't say help or make it worse, but it would give you a different dynamic. I will say as I've gotten older, I've shared stories of things I used to do as an oldest sibling. And you're like, like, oh, ways maybe I, I used to scare inflict my fear. And, yeah. And when the looks I've gotten lead me to believe that you shouldn't be both an oldest sibling and an oldest daughter. They should be separate. <laughs> they should be separate. No, I think it's I, too much power. Personally, I think that's great. <laughs> I wish I was. I mean, not really. I love my older brother, but like in a lot of ways, I kind of took on the older sibling mm-hmm. role. But I also was teased and picked on and like 
So it's like I kind of had a re- such an interesting gender. I had role a responsibility. Thing. I won't make you unpack that, but that is such an interesting gender role thing. And my other girlfriends who are oldest daughters but have an oldest brother share similar stories of like I did have to carry some of the oldest sibling. Friends. Oh well, I very much did too because and that's a gender role. Thing. It's gender you're role a caretaker. personality differences between my older brother mm-hmm. and I. Also, not something I ever really like cared about growing up because like he was my brother no matter what, but. You know, looking back on things, he also is my half brother. Mm-hmm. So he had a like a different fa- like another mm-hmm. family his own as family well as our with family his own stuff. He's bringing in, yeah. And 100%. I was the oldest of all of my siblings that were like mm-hmm. my full blood siblings. So mm-hmm. in a way, in a biological sense, yeah. I was also an oldest sibling of my little clan. Yeah. You know 100%. what I mean? So there was like, there's, there's a little bit of everything there. Mm-hmm. So of course there's things to navigate. I know you also spoke like your husband was the youngest. Yep. My, so Adam, he is also second oldest and he Whoa. is, it was given the role of like parental, mm-hmm. his siblings, his two of his younger, he has five, there's five of them all together. Two of his youngest siblings are way younger than him. Mm-hmm. And he took on major parental roles mm-hmm. there and just personality wise and stuff his older brother wasn't as older brother vibes mm-hmm. and so i'm sure personality plays a big part it does of it. it does i this is kind of funny i was a really shy child and really introverted and really quiet and so was then I. my little brother was born my first little their first brother. brother yeah and something changed in my brain that can't be unknown ringleader yeah yeah something in the realm of power that's so <laughs> and funny thinking i am the leader and uh getting a little joy in dominating was birthed there that can't be put back in the box i'll yeah. say that okay i would have been like i think i would have been a little pisces dreamy yeah, yeah. shy little girl and then someone was born beneath me <laughs> and my brain experienced a different feeling that's I had so before. fascinating i was like i was super shy i didn't make friends in my preschool and kindergarten classes oh. they were like she's a great reader she's great at tying her shoes she likes to do things well yeah uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but she's not really interested in the other kids and then i had a little brother and i was like did you know you can make other people do, do things, things? <laughs> That's fantastic. Did I love you know that. If you say, I bet you can't do that, that most boys will. And that has stuck with me my whole life. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. My experience is probably a little like a different because I saw my parents get more stressed as more kids were added on. Yeah, for sure. And so for me, it how was. How do they do that? I still, I do step back and look at my parents as people Like how now. do they have yeah. more kids? It's really interesting as I get older. Now I've surpassed the age my parents were yeah. when they had me. And I... I'm able to Which look at Which is crazy. Them. I yeah, also insane. am past that point. And I am able to look at them as people and know now what it is to be a whole person. And like even my dog sometimes is a lot of responsibility for me. And I'm oh, like, i got to keep this thing alive. Yes, very much. And the fact that I was just there needing shit all the time and they were continuing to have them is, I mean, that's a lot. And like that is another part of looking at people as whole people yes you know as yes. a whole person and there's very so much, much going can. on and it's given me a lot of compassion yeah I will say for my parents yeah and when we look back on our past memories a lot of um our present moment and things that we learn in this time in this day really does affect 
our past. We think mm-hmm. we like can affect just our future, but mm-hmm. really we can affect our past you're a lot. You're always healing. The you're past. always yeah. healing. You're, you're always writing it. Whatever that room is for you, you are always in that room. Do you not are fool yourself. Yeah. Yes. And so now I'm like seeing things. I'm like, oh, that was also that was my mom at 28 mm-hmm. with all the things that she had been through and yes. all the kids she had and all the like, you know, yes, all the experiences that she had and that I now can understand and not just know as stories but as her as a human being at as a 28 year old a 30 year old 32 year old and you know I am I'm not making excuses for any generations but I am so glad that I'm born in the one where therapy is so openly talked about yes I can do four different forms of therapy in a week and I'm not a weirdo right and I can talk about it with my friends and we sit on a podcast and we share ideas right and me and my girlfriends talk about these things and like there are a lot more resources available now. There are also a lot more problems, but a lot more resources and a lot more things I know are readily available to mm-hmm. me. And when I was, say, at my lowest low and I really needed help and I found the group that I'm a part of, I did that online in about 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And when my parents had a screaming baby and hadn't really intended to be parents or mm-hmm. maybe even get married, I don't know what their goals were at 25, uh, and they had me there while they were trying to grow up. Yeah. You know, with less resources, I have a lot of compassion for that now. Looking yeah. back, and that doesn't mean that everything that's happened to me in my life is totally okay, but it also means that people are whole people and you have yeah. to look at them with a compassionate lens. Yep. My mom had my older brother when she was 23. Yep. 22 even, mm-hmm. maybe. So, yeah, like young. Like, that's so, so, so tiny. I mean, I'm still young now. I'm still like, damn. Same. I'm like, my, I'm still a baby. Yeah, my amygdala has been formed for like, what, five years? That's, that's not nothing. enough. I'm a five-year-old. Like, I don't know anything. Yeah. I know. I feel that way. I'm like, I'm actually grateful. Um, I know we've kind of talked about this before, but I, so I do want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually really grateful to be, I wouldn't even consider myself an older, by the time I have kids, an older mom. I don't even think I'll be in that range. But comparatively to like, like our parents age Mm -hmm. I will be older and I'm actually really 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 grateful that I will be because I can't imagine being in the place I was when I saw the world through a binary lens and things being right and wrong and having kids at that time which I think a lot of our parents probably had kids around that age Mm -hmm. where like we're trying to find like the yes and no of life I think that's like our 20s is like trying to like 100%. really pull ourselves towards one direction and then like really 180 ourselves to the other and I'm really glad I'm now 30 I feel like 30s are where you find a lot of nuance mm-hmm. and you find a lot of like holding two truths at once holding a lot of like space for yourself to change and it not wreck you mm-hmm. because I think in your 20s you're like I'm changing I've changed I'm not the same person who am and it's like you know what? I am the same. I am evolving, but I'm the same. Mm-hmm. Like I'm the same person who cares. I'm the same person who's curious. I'm the same person. So I th- I'm actually really grateful that I'll be one day a mother who's not, I mean, I won't ever, nobody's ever fully ready, but I think I'll be ready to embrace the season of being like, I don't know everything. Mm. And I think that's a better place to parent from. Yeah, I will. I don't know if this is true for everyone, but for me, for certain my early 20s I mean really up until my 30s honestly were not a mindful time no matter how much I tried to yeah I wanted it to be mindful I have always had an acute understanding of the right way to do things and the people who were getting it right and how I wasn't measuring up 
but in your 20s you just can't you can't know what you don't know no yeah and you have to get to know yourself and if you've been super parentified you kind of have to figure out how to be an adult in a world where being an adult doesn't just mean holding your family together right and so I am so glad that I didn't smack in the middle of trying to find myself have to take care of a child Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I think if you choose to be a parent you can probably do it fantastically at any age, but it yeah, does of seem like, you know, I know my parents specifically feel that raising my youngest brother was much different. Mm. They were, they were like, we're completely different people. Yeah. Raising him. We had 14 years to learn yeah. and grow yeah. and trial and error. Right. And my parents will lovingly joke to me now that like, well, you were the guinea pig. Yeah. And it's true. Yeah. And I think it's really nice that you will be in a, probably more mindful space in yeah. your life where you have gotten to spend some time with Lauren. Yeah. With Lauren and Adam alone. Yes. And build those foundations so that when and if something else comes in, mm-hmm. it gets to have a little more stability and you get to have a little more stability. That's got to be a good thing. Yeah. I needed that for me. I don't know about everyone else. Yeah. Maybe other people are more in tune with their child selves and whatever, but I needed the time. Yeah, absolutely. To make sure like inner me, child me was like, mm-hmm. okay and ready to to launch that and and, uh, more of an understanding of how much will change i'm sure you can't know until you get there but how much your friendships will change or whatever of course my 20s i wouldn't have had i'm we're not having children i'm Mm -hmm. choosing not to have children Mm -hmm. but many of my friends are going to make a different choice yeah we can be this age and sit here and talk about how that'll look different how that'll feel to each of us and in my 20s i couldn't have had that conversation no yeah are you kidding no there's just so many other things we were navigating yeah and i didn't know myself well enough right i was acting off of fear off of old coping mechanisms Mm -hmm. off of insecurity yeah i feel that i missed out on so much in my life because i was in my head thinking about how i should be being Mm. my old therapist used to call it shooting all over yourself shooting yeah (laughs) and like that i did that for the first 28 years of my life Mm. and uh so i never could have done that in my 20s yeah yeah 25 through 30 was a lot of my identities Mm -hmm. just broke like breaking mm-hmm. down Me too, and learning to mindfully connect with myself with others and so you can make these huge life changes later and like yeah. your friendships can come with you yeah and things can and evolve. evolve yeah as yeah. they do naturally <laughs> <laughs> um okay well i think i think we should probably <laughs> end the conference but no, no no i don't <laughs> want to end it um can you tell people where they can find you and absolutely yeah you can find me on instagram at cheyenne conradi just like my name you can find me on tiktok at cheyenne conradi that's exactly like my name and i don't know where else you'll be able to find me next i'm kind of figuring that out as i go but yeah wherever it is i will be excited to see you there yes she's an artist too like you guys will just like love the things that she creates um i know we didn't like speak on that too much but i mean we did indirectly we totally did we we totally did yeah. but she's amazing <laughs> at that like with what she makes and like she makes it through like a space of like um there's a lot of like female feminine bodies and like yeah, I mean, we could do another two hours on, like, my relationship with my body as a woman, yours, I'm sure, the yep. things we've internalized, that could be a whole other topic. It's a whole other thing. So if you want a part two <laughs> yeah, of this, of <laughs> Cheyenne and Lauren, you let us know, because um, we certainly will. I'm sure we could have another two hour yeah, plus definitely. conversation just on that. So anyway, well, thank you for being here. Thank you for having on me. On Curiosity. Um, and thank you guys for listening. Um, As always, we love you and until next time, bye.
Yeah, and stay curious. Stay curious. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs>